Well, buenas tardes. Come on, come on. We got, we got to get ready for heaven. Come on. We got to get ready for heaven. We're going to speak Spanish. But good to see you guys. How's everyone doing? I know it's a loaded question, but, but we're here. Bueno. I like that. Bueno. Now, remember, I am not Eric. All right? I'm the better looking version. I'm Steve. So, not joking. <laughs> but so good to be with you guys here. How many of you guys, this is your first time coming here tonight? First time. Okay, nice. Tom, Rick, Tom, awesome. All right. Awesome. If, if, if this is your first time, can you just please stand up? We just want to recognize you. It's okay. We, we won't have you sing anything. All right, yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So glad you guys are here. If this is your first time, I think there in the table, there is like an information thing that we would love for you to fill out so you can get the emails, know events that are happening within the men's ministry, uh, even discipleship stuff that we're trying to plan, all this stuff as well. Uh, so please fill it out so you can be in that email list uh, for that as well too. Uh, so we're going to continue our study in Psalm 119, we're going to look at verses 65 uh, to 80. Uh, we're going to talk about the joy of affliction. Think about that. The joy of affliction. Those Joy and affliction should not be in the same sense, I know. But we're going to talk about that. Look at Psalm 119, 65 to 80 and see how we can find joy there. But before we look at God's word... I would love for you to have some discussion time there on your table. There are a piece of paper there, the notes uh, on there. I would like you just to kind of flip it over. There's three questions that I would love for you. I'm going to give you guys 15 to 20 minutes to talk with your group about this, just to prepare our hearts, just to see where we're at. And hopefully, uh, even as we study God's word, it can help you answer uh, the question. So the first question is this, how do you handle afflictions in your life? When you're in the season of sorrow, season of confusion, maybe sadness, whatever that affliction is in your life, how do you handle that? How do you find the joy in that as well? The second one is, what is something God has done in your life that you're thankful for? What is something that God has done in your life that you are thankful for? And the third one is, is there a promise of God that gives you peace in your life? Is there a truth or a promise of God that gives you peace in your daily life? So take some time and have a discussion with your table. All right, well, let's wrap it up here. But before we start, I want us to give a big hand to our ladies who've been helping with the meal. That's right. Thank you to everyone that's helping with the meal. Praise the Lord for the meal. Um, I hope that, hopefully that's Jesus calling. All right. So hopefully it has good discussion uh, about this topic, about affliction, how we handle it. Uh, and so the purpose tonight is, like I said, the topic is the joy of affliction. But hopefully you have been enjoying uh, reading Psalms 119. Have you guys, hopefully everybody has, hopefully you have even reading it on your own, hopefully studying as well on your own. Like to me, I love this psalm because it is a celebration of God's goodness and his word. It's kind of like a pep rally. You remember those pep rallies? Like uh, in Texas, every Friday, uh, every Friday afternoon, there's a big pep rally in our high school. Remember, even if we're playing the number one team in the state, we act like we're going to win. But then that night we lose 49 to zero. Like it's just like, but hey, but there's excitement, there's joy. We're excited to see what happened. That's what I picture when I read Psalm 119 about the goodness of the God that I belong to and the God that loves me, but also the goodness of his word and how important it is for us to be in his word. Now we all value God's word, hopefully. Hope that's why you're here. You see, hopefully you have a desire to know this book and hopefully not to know it just so you have knowledge and, and have conversation with people and show how smart you are, but hopefully you value God's word so you can know who God really is and know how he wants you to live. I had a, a professor in college that says this, you want to know what God's will is for your life? Know his word. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, read his word, hunger for his word. And I know life could be busy. I know life is busy with family, jobs, whatever it may be, that sometimes we kind of push aside God's word. But I'm, I, my prayer is as we are studying this, this psalm uh, th this fall, that it 
it, like, it refreshes us and excites us to spend time in God's word. To maybe even in our schedule to say this time right here is just me and Jesus. No matter what team is playing, it's going to be Jesus and I that we're going to spend time together. And so I hope you value God's word as we celebrate them. But also Psalm 19, it is a celebration of God's goodness in his word when life is good, but also in the season of affliction. Now, I don't have to ask, you know, raise your hand if you've ever been through a hard time in your life. I think we all probably have been. Maybe even tonight, some of us here tonight will say, I'm struggling. I'm in the season of affliction. Whether it be marriage issues, job issues, financial issues, maybe even your kids. Maybe your kids are not following the Lord, whatever it may be. You're worried about the future, uh, whatever they may be. That we're in this season of what's happening in my life my question is, if we ask there, the first one, what do you do in those moments of affliction? You see here, the psalmist in Psalm 119, he is not in Cancun, Mexico. Okay, I'm going to picture that. He's not in Cancun, Mexico. He's not eating grapes and just relaxing and, and, and just, just asking this prayer. No, he is in the midst of affliction himself. He is going through a hard season of hardship himself. But what we see here in this psalm that he begins to pray and fix his eyes on the one that can fix the problem. You see, when we're in the midst of affliction, our natural tendency is to focus on the problem. My prayer is this, that when we go through hardship or we're in the midst of it, that we don't focus on the problem, but we focus on the one that can fix the problem. And the one that can guide us through it. You see, when we look at affliction... We all say, I don't want to go through hardship. I don't want to live a hard life. I want to live a good life. Let's be honest. I want to do that too. I just want everything to be smooth. I want my kids to say, yes, Father, whatever you say, I will do. I am here for you. Like, I want that. You know, I just want everything to go smooth. I want the money in the bank account. I want to drive a, a, a Toyota Tundra. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's all I want. Like, that's all I want in life to life to be good. But then I woke up. That's right. I did wake up from that dream. But see, but have you ever wondered or even thought, hey, this season of affliction or this hardship that I am in, this is actually good. Have you ever stopped and said, yes, it's a rough, uh, this situation in my life is not what I want, what's happening. But it's also good for me to go through this. I'll be honest, sometimes I don't think like that at all. Sometimes I don't think that at all. But here, the psalm is here. This portion of Psalm 119, this is kind of the attitude that he has. And that's why I titled today's message, The Joy of Affliction. Because that, as a believer, we should have that mindset. That the affliction is not evil, but we can turn it to good for the glory of God. Let's pray before we read God. Let's read God's word and then we have a moment of prayer. Psalms 119, Psalm 119, 65 to 80. It says, you have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You're good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent sneer me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your word. It is good for me that I was in affliction, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Verse 73. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may lean, that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice, because I have hope in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous, and that the faithfulness you have afflicted in me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I may live. For your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. 
As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me. Let they may know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statues, that I may not be put to shame. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for tonight. Thank you, thank you so much for these men who are giving uh, a portion of their night to come and to gather, to fellowship with other believers and to study your word. But God, I pray tonight that you move me aside, that you would speak through me in a mighty way that would challenge me and everybody in this room to understand that affliction could be meant for good for us to bring glory to you and to grow in our relationship with you. God, I just pray that you would challenge us tonight and I pray that we will just be doers of your word and not hearers only. In your name we pray, amen. So it's a great psalm, huh? You see, verses 65 to 72 speaks on the goodness of God. Now remember, the psalmist here, is, his life is not going well. Things are not going his way. He's in a hardship. He is going through a hard time. But here in these verses, in verses 65 to 72, he begins to speak about God's goodness. And so the question here tonight is this, how do we find true joy in the midst of affliction? Well, the first thing is this, God has been good to us. Is acknowledging and knowing what the faithfulness of God and his goodness has been to us. Verse 65, the psalmist says, you have dealt well with your servant. Now remember, the psalmist, again, is not on vacation, not, not having a good life. He is going through hardship. And what does he start with? He says, you have dealt well with your servant. That the hardship that he's going with, he's saying, God, thank you. Why? Why does he say that? Because he says, oh, Lord, according to your word, you have dealt with me well. He says, God, you've been faithful to your word. You've been faithful to your promises. And you have dealt with me well, even in the midst of my affliction. And that's why it's so important that we remember what God has done in our lives. Especially when we go through hard times. You see, what I believe that can steal our joy and our hope in God is forgetting the goodness of God. Especially when we're in that hardship, right? Because sometimes, like I said, we focus so much on the problem that we forget the one who can fix the problem and guide us through it. And here the psalm is saying, God, you have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to whose word? His word. Not the psalmist. He's not saying, God, why are you doing this? What's going on? Why I'm not getting what I want. No, he's like, God, thank you for how you're dealing with me right now in this hardship, according to your word. And so we've got to remember that God has been good to us. Listen, he saved us. That's, that's as good as it can get. The Romans says that before we knew Christ, we were enemies of God. But yet God loved us that while we were yet sinners, who died for us? Christ, his only son. That we were his enemies, but he wanted a relationship with us. So he sent Jesus, his only son, to die on the cross, a cross that we should have been on. He died for our mistakes, our sins. But on the third day, he rose again. You see, God, and we're going to talk about this a little later, God understands our affliction. Jesus understands our affliction. And so that's why when we're in the season of hardship, of affliction, we must remember the goodness of who God is. That's why it's important. When, I think it's important that when you read God's word, you journal. Now listen, I hate journaling. I hate writing emails. Like, I just hate writing in general. But I began to practice three years ago that when I'm reading my devotional, when I'm doing my reading, I actually write down what I'm learning. And what's going on in my life. And it's been amazing going back and seeing two, three years ago passages I've read and, and seeing where I'm at and how God has changed me. And like I, the, a lot of questions, God, what do you want to do with my life? And to see, I actually had a friend before I was driving and says, hey, if someone told you what you're going to do today, five years ago, what would you think? And I remember going back, like, that's what, exactly what I was. I was like, what am I, God, what do you want to do with my life? And it's awesome to see how God was faithful and answering that his way. 
the way he had planned. Because to be honest, was not thinking about moving to Ohio. But God is good. God is good, you know. So we're here. But it's important that you write down the goodness of what God has done in your life so you can remember, especially during hard times. Remember when God would do great things to the nation of Israel, to his people? What would he say? Make a monument. Make a mark to remember what I've done. You see the book of of Judges. We see that it begins, it says that this generation forgotten the goodness of God. Forgotten who he was. And I believe because the previous generation did not tell the younger generation about the goodness of God. Because I believe if that generation in Judges remembered the goodness of God, we would not have the book of Judges. Because it would be faithful to God even during hard times. The psalmist says, you have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. We must remember that God has been good to us in our good days and our hard days as well. He goes on, verse 66, says, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. We see here that God's word gives us good judgment and knowledge for your life. We don't have to ask Dr. Phil. We don't have to ask uh, these other people. We can run to God's word if we want to know, hey God, I want to make good choices in my life. How do I make good choices in my life? To, to really honor God, we need his word to teach us to have good judgment and knowledge. You see, if we believe in God's word, then we would want what God teaches us. I love here, he says, teach me. When's the last time you said to God, God, teach me. Teach me how to have good judgment. Teach me your knowledge, especially when I'm going through the hard times. You see, when we're going through the hard times, we should not question God's character, but we should ask him, God, what am I supposed to learn through this? What am I supposed to learn through this hardship? Because remember, and we're going to look a little later, going through this hardship that was meant for evil could be, could be turned to good if we have the right perspective as a believer. If we truly believe that God's in control of everything, we can have this attitude to say, God, teach me. Why am I going through this? I share this a lot that when my mom uh, had cancer, uh, the second time she had it, she's cancer free now, but the second time she had it, the doctor said, there's no chance. There's no chance at all. And this is what the, the attitude she has. She's like, God, teach us. Teach our family why we're going through this. And God answered that. But if we truly believe in God's word, then we would want God to teach us. You see, sometimes we think we know it all. I'll be honest, I'm there too as well. Right? I believe that sometimes we think, oh, I know everything about the Bible. Or I know everything about this God. But let's be honest, sometimes we, we don't. That's why Jesus says to have faith like a child. And say, God, I love it when my kids, they just, they trust me whenever we, when we go on hikes or when we go or when they have to jump off something. I say, hey, I'll catch you. They're like, okay, here we go. Like they just go. That's the attitude that we should have, especially when we go the hard time to say, God, I trust you. So teach me. Give me the wisdom, give me the knowledge to understand why I'm going through this and how I can bring you glory through this as well. And yes, when we go to hardship, there's going to be some hard times. There's going to be maybe tears. There's going to be just all this confusion. But we as believers got to remember this, to lean on the Lord and not our own understanding. And this is what the psalmist says here, to teach me good judgment and knowledge for I believe in your commandments you see it's easy to believe in God's word when life is going good but do you believe in God's word when life gets tough when hardship does come do you still believe in God's word and what he says and lean on that so many times I've seen fellow believers who Man, when they go through a hard time, they kind of turn their backs away from the Lord because they don't like the way he answered their certain prayer. But if we truly are studying God's word, and we're going to look at this a little later, we're going to see what our purpose is in life. We're going to see who God is and how he handles our situations in life and how we can bring him glory. But the first thing we got to say is, God, teach us. When I'm reading your word, just teach me knowledge 
teach me wisdom and teach me judgment for my life. Thirdly, as we see verse 67, it says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You see, God uses our affliction to bring us back to him. I remember when I was a youth pastor, uh, I had a fifth grader that came up to me and said, Hey, Steve, why do Christians have to suffer? He said, why do Christians have to suffer? And I was like, do you think Christians shouldn't suffer? I was like, no. I think if you put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, your life should be good. And he's like, why? So I gave him inner reasons. I said, we suffer because we live in a world that's cursed with sin. We, we go through affliction because a lot of times it's our choices that we make. Also, it could be because of the choices of others that affect us. Because it says sin does not just affect us, but it affects those around us as well. But also say we go through affliction, God allows us to go through affliction so that we can trust less in ourselves and more in him. Because let's be honest, if life was good, I'll be trusting on Steve Boger. Because if life was going good, I was like, this is all because of me. I am doing this. But those moments of affliction that come into my life, I realize that it's not about me. That the one, the goodness is only found in the Lord. Here, look at the psalmist says, before I was afflicted. So he says, before the hardship came, before the season of affliction came to my life, I went astray. Because I was away from you. I was living my own life. I was making my own decisions because I thought my life, I owned my life. I didn't care what you had to say. I was living, I was following the lies of the world. Before my affliction, I was away from you. But he goes on and says, but now I keep your word. You see, the psalmist spoke about lessons that are learned the hard way. Right? My dad always said, that, hey, you better not make decisions because you can learn the hard way. But I remember that my, that my dad would say that he would sometimes love to see us learn the hard way. Because he would see us mature. Little by little. I remember talking to a pastor, a friend in Texas, and his, his son led worship in our, in our church there in Texas. And I saw him at a conference. I said, hey, man, you know, how's your son doing? He said, oh, man, he's failing. And it's awesome to see because he's growing. At first I was like, what? Okay. Like, okay. But he was, he was like happy. He said, yeah, my son has made mistakes, but he is growing. It is awesome to see because we don't think that way. When we think of hardship, we think, okay, either I did something, I'm in sin, or something's happening. But we don't stop and think, okay, God, what is it that you're trying to teach me? And you may not be astray from God, but some of us are that it wakes us up and realize who God is and who we are and how much we need God. And the psalmist says here, man, learning the hard way could be good for our relationship with God. Learning the hard way is great. So that God can wake us up and see how much we need him. And see how much we don't know everything. That we need him in our lives. This is one of the reasons why God God allows affliction in our life. That we may not walk away from him but trust in him. And that's why it's so important from the beginning of this psalm to say that we study God's word. That we guard our lives through God's word. So the moments of affliction comes, we still trust in Jesus. Trust in the Lord. Again, verse 66, he says, for I believe in your commandments. Would you still believe in God's commandments even when life is going tough? You see, 1 Thessalonians 3.3 says this. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourself know that we are predestined for this. That we are destined for this. Now this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church of Thessalonica. That were going through persecution. That were going through hard times. But I love what Paul says. He says, do not be moved by this affliction. Do not move away from the Lord because you're being persecuted. Do not put your trust in something else to save you from this affliction. He says, do not move from this because you know this was going to happen. Right? We see that in the book of Acts. Jesus tells, the Lord tells Paul, so listen, you're going to go share the gospel, but you're going to face some hard times. What did Jesus say? 
that those that follow him, the world's going to love us? No. The world's going to hate us. Especially when we speak on truth of the gospel. That it offends people. And people are going to get upset because of the one we follow. So nowhere in scripture do we see that how a life is going to be great. If you just name it, claim it. If you just say this, if you go here, it is all yours. Life, no. That's a false way of thinking. It's a false theology thinking. If you just say, yeah, I want that, it's yours. Or life is going to be good, it's going to be good. No. Because even Jesus said, hey, you're going to go through hardship. You're going to go through hard time for me. So we see here the psalmist. And we see Paul, he says this. He says this in 1 Thessalonians 3.3. Paul says to the people, so they would not think God's plan was not working by evidence of Paul's suffering. So Paul is saying this in 1 Thessalonians 3.3, that do not be moved by these afflictions for yourself know that you were destined for this. He's saying this so the people will say, okay, you know what? Maybe God's plan isn't working because Paul is in jail. He's getting stoned. He's almost put to death. Maybe this plan isn't working. But Paul said, no, it is working. It is working how he said it was. He also said that, that verse there, so people, that, that Paul's reflection that shows that, that God was not disproved, was not uh, un, unhappy with Paul. So Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians so he can remind God's people, listen, it's not that God's plan isn't working or it's not just because God is, I'm in sin or God hates me. It's because this is a plan that he's going to tell us. He's told us that we're going to suffer for his name. So we should be ready for this. I remember there was a man, uh, a good friend, he was my connect group leader. Uh, he, he was just a, a good man, uh, older man that I would go to, ask for advice, for prayer. He was a prayer warrior. And I remember one time he said in our connect group, he said, uh, he said, you know what? I've never been through hardship in my life. Like I haven't lost a loved one. I haven't, nothing major has happened in my life. He's like, but I'm preparing for it. And I was like, how do you prepare for it? He's like, I'm in God's word, and I'm praying that I will still trust in his word when I go through hardship. That I will not go astray from him, but I will run to him during the hardship. And this is what we got to understand. Do not be moved from the hardship. Do not fall astray. And this is what the psalm is saying. I mean, I, I was away from you until your, the affliction that came upon me woke me up. And now I keep your word. You see, Hebrews also, Hebrews 5.8 says this, although he, Jesus, was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Think about that. Hebrews 5.8 says, although he, Jesus, was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Now, Christ did not need to suffer in order to correct his, any obedience that he had in his life. One pastor says here, in his deity as the son of God, he understood obedience fully. Jesus humbled himself to learn. Think about that. That Jesus humbled himself. Philippians 2.8. It said that Jesus humbled himself and was obedient to death, even death on the cross. You see, for us to be humble, something has to happen in our life to humble us. Right? We always, I hope something happens to him so he can be humble. Like, Right? But you know what Jesus said? He said, no, you know what? I want to choose to be humble, to learn. He learned obedience for the same reason he bore our sins on the cross, to confirm his humanity and experience its sufferings completely. You see, Jesus knows what suffering is like because he suffered for us on the cross. That he took your sins, my sins, your mistakes, my mistakes on the cross so we can find hope only in Jesus Christ. And when we place our trust in Jesus as our Savior, the Bible says that we're, we're forgiven of our sins and we're brought back to God, adopted into his family. And nothing, Romans says, said, nothing can separate us from his love. Isn't it awesome? No affliction, no government, nothing can separate us from God's love. But we first must put our trust in Jesus as our Savior to understand that. You see, Christ's obedience was also necessary so that he could fulfill all righteousness and prove to be perfect, the perfect sacrifice in the place of sinners. God uses our affliction to bring us back to him. The psalmist says here, I, before I was in the affliction, I was away from you. But now I keep your word. 
No matter what happens in my life, I'm keeping your word. Verse 68, he says, you're good and do good. Teach me your statutes. So here's the thing, remember the goodness of God, which is what we see in verse 68, that you've dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. He says, I keep that word. I'm studying that word. I want you to teach me that word. But as well, in that word, we see that you are good and you do good. And here we see that he's talking about the goodness of God. But interesting here how he, he, he kind of shows the character of God. He says the first thing here, he says, you do good. No, he says, you are good. Talking about the characteristics of God. And how is God good? You see, God, is, he, and he, what the psalmist is talking about here, he's talking about God's faithfulness, how he's so faithful to us. And that's why we must be faithful to him. He's also compassion. He has compassion for us. He loves us. He's righteous. He gives us mercy. He gives us grace that we do not deserve. This is how God is good. And this is what the psalmist is coming to mind in his, in his own life. That he's saying, you are good. He is thinking about the attributes of God. And that's why I think it's so important that we study that. That we know who God is. So that we can say that, God, you are good because you are faithful. You show compassion. You are righteous. You give mercy and grace. And you're always by our side. But also he says, goes on here. He says, not only are you good, but he also says what? You do good. What has God done good? And that's why one of the questions there I said, what has God done in your life that has been good? That you can remember. So in the midst of this affliction, you can say, God, you are good because here's the list. But also you do good because you saved me from my sins. You saved me from your wrath. You saved me from separation, eternal separation from you through your son, Jesus Christ. And on and on the list can go. But it's important that we stop and we remember God. I think about Jeremiah, right, the, the weeping prophet. We know the story of Jeremiah. At the young age, as a teenager, think about that. As a teenager, God told Jeremiah, I want you to go and tell my people to repent of their sins and come follow me. At a, as a teenager. And we see that for almost 40, 50 years, he is preaching the same message over and over. I think only one person came to know, uh, uh, repent of their sins. But through those years, man, he, Jeremiah saw affliction. Man, he was kicked out of his own country. His own family wanted to kill him, friends. He was stoned. No wonder he was crying. <laughs> his heart was breaking for his own people, but also the suffering that he was going into. And God said this, listen, if my people do not repent, they're going to go through hardship. They're going through a hard time because of their disobedience to me. And we see that they never did. But Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, hey, I got plans to take you out. I have plans that you're going you're gonna to go through hard times, but I'm praying that that helps them to learn. And I'm going to take, take them out and free them. But we see in Lamentations chapter 3, we see Jeremiah. I kind of picture him looking over Jerusalem and seeing the big mess of the Babylonians coming and destroying the, the city and getting his own people to be slaves and all this stuff. And I can see him as we see the book of Lamentations. He's lamenting to God. But we see in chapter 3, verse 21, he kind of remembers God's promises. He remembers that he does good. And he remembers the promise from Jeremiah 29, 11 that, he, that God made to him. And he said, Jeremiah says, for this I have hope because I remember God's promises. Just paraphrasing there. You see, like I said earlier, what can destroy our hope and joy in the Lord is forgetting God's promises. It's important for us. To remember the attributes of God, who God is and what he has done for his glory. To remember the goodness of God in the midst of affliction. Verses 69 to 70, he says this. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. And we see here what an interesting kind of picture there that he says in verse 69 that the insolent, which also means the pride, the prideful. Those whose heart has hardened, who are not allowing 
basically their heart is so hard that God's word is not changing them. We see here that God's word must transform us. God's word must transform us. Let's be honest. Some of us have grown up in the church. Some of us have read this word that sometimes, man, it, it, it doesn't move us. But my question for you is how are you reading it? Are you reading it with excitement, with joy to understand that every time you open up God's word, it's God breathing of who he is for us so we can know who he is, so we can change our lives. And here in verse 69, the psalmist is talking about the lies of the proud that do not distract the psalmist from obeying God. I love it. It says, the insolence smear with lies, but with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. He's saying, man, I don't care what the, the world is throwing my way. They're lying to me, make even power, making fun of me, whatever the case is, but it's not distracting me because I'm keeping your word. I'm keeping with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. I'll be honest, a lot of my, my prayer every morning is for the believers that we, God's people, will not be distracted by what's going on in this world. Let's be honest, we get really distracted, right? Turn on the news, oh, man, if this guy would be president, everything would be good. Oh, why did he get this? You know, like we, we believe and we start getting distracted and, and we put our hopes in other things. Jeremiah even says this in Jeremiah 17, he says, he says, curse is the one who puts their trust in themselves and in human flesh because their hearts have turned away from the Lord. He goes on, verse seven, and says this, but blessed is the one who trusts only in the Lord. Where is your trust? You see the psalmist says here, listen, I don't care about all these lies made about me or these lies that I'm hearing. I'm, my, my whole heart, my whole heart, I'm keeping your word. I am trusting your word. And I'm letting it change my life. You see, he who, in my translation here, he used the word fat. I don't like that word, but he used the word fat. <laughs> in the sense of just like our heart, just being hardened, hardened, hardened by the fat of the food that we eat, that it's so hard that God's word does not penetrate in. You see, it, it refers to the proud of verse 69, those who are proud whose heart has been hardened so much that the word of God does not change them. But here's the thing. Those who not let God's word change them, they don't see the beauty of affliction. They miss the beauty of that even in the midst of affliction that God is forming them to be more and more like him and less and less like the world. That in the midst of affliction, they're missing that God wants us to trust less in ourselves and more in him. If we do not let God's word transform us, change us, we're going to miss the beauty of the affliction that we're in. To say, God, teach me. God, teach me why, teach me what I need to learn in the midst of this affliction and help me not to hear the lies of the world or, or, or those who have prideful hearts. Like we see Job, right? We see Job, he was married to a tough woman. Because what his wife said, yo, curse God. I don't know, they should have gotten some premarital counseling or something before they got married. But, but man, he said, his wife said, it's God's fault. It's God's fault. But what did Job say? Nah. He said, do we always have to... It is God only gives us good, but we also should rejoice in the bad. You see, when we do not let God's word to transform us, to change us, we miss the beauty of what we get through affliction and how we can use that for God's glory. And we can be like the psalmist to say with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. He goes on verse 70, their heart is unfilling like fat, but I delight in your law. Do you delight in God's word? Do you delight in God's word every time that it's open? Do you delight in God's word every time you read it? Again, not so that you can be smart and show how smart you are in theology and all these verses, but so that when whatever happens in your life, you're, with your whole heart, you're going to keep loving and trusting in God because of his word. We must let God's word, God's word must transform us for his glory. So we can see the beauty in the midst of affliction and how he wants to use that for his glory. Verse 71, quickly here we see verse 71. It is good for me that I was afflicted. What? Let's read that again. It is good for me 
that I was afflicted. Have you ever said that? Have you ever, if you have, praise the Lord. Again, that is a picture of someone who's not fixing, who's not fixing their eyes on the problem, but fixing on the one who can fix the problem. And he's saying here, verse 71, he says, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. You see, learning from God is valuable. Learning from God is valuable. And I pray that is why you're here. I pray that that's why you're here. That's why you come on Sundays, maybe ABF, Connect Group, maybe a discipleship group that you're in. Hopefully you're in those so that you can learn. You can learn more about who God is and understand how valuable that is. But I'll be honest, sometimes when we read God's word, we just got to shut our mouths and be still and remember who God is. I remember I had a roommate in college that would wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't know why. But he'd wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and he would go for walks in our campus and just pray. And just, just, just walk in silence. But I would say, wake me up on breakfast. <laughs> I, I didn't do that. I did it later. I did it later. But he would wake up and he was like, I said, why do you do this? I was like, man, because like the campus is quiet. He's like, if you run around campus, this is so quiet. And I can really just, I just want to hear from God. When's the last time you did that, that you just, just read God's word and you just sat there and you say, God, teach me. Instead of running to commentaries or this sermon or this podcast or this, I, I believe sometimes, like this, I'm, I'm not hating on commentaries or podcasts, but I, I believe it drowns out God's voice when we hear all these different sermons or, hey, he said this, he said this, or, hey, you know, this guy. The first voice that we should listen to is God's. Again, I'm not downplaying podcasts or commentary. I read those. I watch sermons of other people. But the first voice I want to hear is God's himself through his word, that he speaks in his word, even through people as well. But learning from God is valuable. And as we begin to learn who God is and understand the season of affliction, we're going to be like the psalmist here when he says, it is good for me that I was afflicted. He's basically giving thanks for the affliction in his life. We, I think about James, right? Chapter one, count it all joy when you meet various trials. Now he's not saying, oh yeah, here comes the affliction. I can't wait, let's do this. No, he's saying that while you're in the affliction, the joy is this, that you get to learn more about God and grow more in your relationship with God through the affliction. And this is what the psalmist is saying, that he is thankful for the affliction that he experienced because it helped him to learn more about who God is and how valuable that is to learn about God. Verse 72 says, the law of your mouth is better to me than the thousands of gold and silver pieces. You see, nothing compares to knowing God. There's nothing Nothing is better than God. Not our marriages, family, money, material things. Nothing compares to the greatness of knowing God. We see here in Philippians 3.8. This is the Apostle Paul. While he's in prison for sharing the gospel. He says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. He says, indeed I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, but I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And we know Paul's life that he was in one of the best schools, probably had the best clothes, he probably had Anything he wanted, the best sandals, whatever it may be, he probably had it. But he says, all that, my, my, my reputation, the resume that I have of all the things I've done, all that is garbage. It's trash compared to the greatness of knowing God. And he's saying, if it takes for me to suffer to know him, praise the Lord. But that is why it's so important that we study and learn from God and ask God to teach us. So we're in, we're in the midst of the hardship, we can say the same thing. To say, God, there's nothing that compares to the greatness of who you are. And we end that section. I said earlier, this section here talks, speaks on the goodness of God. But now we turn to verses 73 to 80. And these verses speaks on the confidence in God and his word. 
He goes on here, verse 73, it says, your hands, have made the, your, your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may lean, that I may learn your commandments. You see, I love what he says, your hands have made and fashioned me. You know what he's saying there? He's saying that God is the creator of our life. God alone is the creator of our life. And interesting here, the word fashion is kind of, uh, kind of just talking about the word form that we find in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. That it says, Then the Lord God formed, fashioned, formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils and breathed the breath of life. And, and the man became a living creature. You see, we got to understand this. That God is the creator of our life. Which means we don't own our life. This life that we have is not ours. It belongs to God. Right? It says in Scripture that we're managers of his stuff. <laughs> we're managing. That he trusts us enough to manage his stuff, even our own lives. And that's why it's so important that we should desire to know God more so we can gain good knowledge and wisdom to make choices that honor him. Especially when we handle his own stuff. Listen, that's my prayer as a father with my kids. I said, God, help me not mess this up. Help me to disciple my kids well so that they can make decisions to honor you and love you. That's my prayer every morning. Say, God, I want them to love you, to know you, and to lead others to you. That is my prayer every day because those kids are not mine. They belong to the Lord. But that's the thing we got to understand. And I think this is what our current society has a problem is they think their life belongs to them. I believe that's why we have this identity crisis that we see along with young people and just people in general, right? That basically they're saying, God, you messed up. I'm going to change what I think I, I should have been or how I should live my own life. But here the psalmist says, you created me. And who am I to say, God, why would you mess up my life? Because in the beginning, it's not even my life. It belongs to the creator who's shaping us and molding us to be more and more like him and less and less like the world. But sadly, like I said, our, our current society, our current world do not understand. And that is why they're searching for their purpose of life in things that would not satisfy them. That's why they're searching for purpose and happiness and joy in things that they think, oh, this, this is what I need so I can figure out my purpose. But it's, also, but it's only making it worse and worse and worse. Why? Because they don't know who the creator is. They think they made their own life. And we see this, we as believers, we got to know that God is the creator of our life. This is something, like I said, that our world is having a problem. But it's interesting, he says here, give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. And the give me understanding part is talking about the thinking of God as creator. Because sometimes, like I said, it's hard to understand that for some people, especially those who don't follow God. They say, no, this is my life. This is my life. But in reality here, the psalmist say, no, I was form I was fashioned by the hands of God he made me and that's what and he says that's why I want to understand you I want to learn more about who you are so I can know my creator more so we must understand especially when we go through affliction that we who our creator is and that way we can say God teach me of what I'm going through verse 74 says those who fear you shall not see me for though those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hope in your word. An obedient life to the Lord can, change, can encourage others to follow him. An obedient life to the Lord can encourage others to follow him. I remember someone told me a couple years ago, they said, hey, Steve, you want to follow, you want, you want a, an example of what it looks like to obey and follow God? I was like, yeah, yeah. I thought he was going to give me a book or a video. Like, he goes, follow somebody who's lost a loved one and still loves God. He said, you want to follow somebody who's still faithful to God, who loves God, who's obeying God's word and still faithful to him? Find someone who lost a loved one or is going through a hard time but still is obedient to God. And I think the Lord has given me those examples in my life, even my own family who has gone through hardship. And it's been so encouraging to learn how they react to the Lord. One of those examples is my 11-year-old nephew. Well, not 11, he's not 11 anymore. He's a teenager now. But when he was 11 years old, 
He got in a basketball accident. Uh, he was playing basketball and he hit knee with a guy that was guarding him. Uh, then he had just had pain and it went away for a little bit. But then he came back to the point where he couldn't walk on it. He woke up one morning, tried to stand, and he just fell. Uh, so they went and found out that he had cancer in his bone. They found a tumor in his knee. Uh, they had, again, 11 years old. But this is the amazing thing about this. That prior before that, he went to my brother and said, God, he said, Dad, I want to know more about God's word. I want to learn more about God's word. And so he began to teach him God's word. My brother discipling him, teaching him verses. He was memorizing verses, all this stuff, everything like that. So when he got the news about him having cancer and he can't even play sports again because they probably had to give him a prosthetic knee and all this stuff like that. And the doctor said, hey, you have cancer and you may not even play basketball again. Obviously, there was tears, heartbreaking. My, my, my sister-in-law and my brother, obviously nervous, stressed out, what's going to happen? But my 11-year-old nephew, sorry, he said, God's got this. After finishing crying, heartbreaking, and I believe it's because he, months before that, he was in God's word. He was his whole heart teaching and learning from God and asking God to teach him. So when he was in the affliction, he said, God's got this. I'm telling you, he's a warrior. That he, he went through rehab. He, he's cancer-free now. He's about 16 years old. He's going to his junior year in high school. But he is now has a desire to help kids that have cancer. He actually started a foundation. Uh, like uh, people were, you know, giving money and, and helping him and helping like that. To where he was saying, hey, dad, you know, we got this offering from you know, so-and-so. How about we give that money to, to that family? They need it too. Hey, how about we get that family to the point they started a foundation. Uh, they basically sell coffee uh, and all the proceeds uh, help kids uh, with cancer. But he has a passion and desire now because of what he's going through to help kids who are in the same situation he was in. You see, to me, when I, as, I, as I was reading this, an obedient life to the Lord can encourage others to him. That's what popped into my mind. That this 11-year-old kid could have said, you know what, God, I'm done. I've been reading your word all this time and going to church. But because of that, he let God's word transform him. You see, your walk in obedience can, cha- can encourage other followers of God and also unsaved people. Unsaved people. My dad would always say this. Be careful how you walk because they're watching you. Be careful how you walk because they're watching you. Your life can lead someone to Christ, away from God. Especially during hardship. Especially during hard times. Again, it's okay to grieve. That's part of it. But in the midst of that, that we seek the Lord and ask God to teach us, to mold us, to help us to understand. And I pray that even when I'm in, in the season of affliction, that my obedience to the Lord would bring others to the Lord and encourage others as well. Let's move on. Verse 75 and 77 says this. Let your mercy come. Sorry. Yep. 75 to 77 says, I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promises to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I may live for for your law is my delight. You see, focusing in God's word gives us the right perspective on life. Focusing on God's word, focusing on God himself helps us to have the right perspective in life. That no matter what happens in our life, we're still obedient to God's calling in our lives. And again, when we do that, people will take notice and will be encouraged as well. You see, we, verse 65 I'm sorry, yeah, verse 65, we see this, we start off with, it says, you have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. We get that from Job as well. Job came to this point. He came to know that God was always faithful and right, and God was always faithful to his promises. Look at Job 121, it says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And how's he end with that? Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, when we're focused on God and his word, 
and not distracted by the lies of the world or anything like that, that we see life in the right perspective. Colossians says that. It says, do not put your focus on things on earth, but put your focus where? Things that are above. That we're so focused on God that nothing else matters around us. And the more focused we are on God, then no matter what happens in our life, we're going to have the right perspective. And even the midst of suffering to say, God, teach me. I need you to teach me and show me what I need to learn. Even through this hard time, time after time, there's hardship happening in my life. Teach me. You see, focusing in God's word gives us the right perspective in life. Verse, uh, we see this even in verse 67 that we read earlier. It says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. You see, he goes on here, even says, I know in verse 67, let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promises to your servant. Where do you find comfort in the midst of affliction? Where do you run to when, when there's hard time? You see, those who don't put their hope in Christ, man, they follow other things that, that they think will satisfy them, whatever they might be. But here the psalmist is saying, listen, God, only you can comfort me. Your steadfast love, meaning your loyal love, is the only thing that can comfort me. You see, we must seek the comfort in the, in the Lord's love in the season of affliction. The word of God must be personal to us. That's why God's word must be real to us. That's why we should not hurry when we read God's word, but really break it down. I'll be honest with you, when I was studying this, this passage, I was trying to like group all these things like that. But I was like, you know what? We got to go verse by verse. This is too good to miss the goodness of who God is and the confidence we have in his word. And so sometimes we love to hurry to God's word. Oh, I've read that so many times. I know about heart. But we need to slow down and breathe and focus in each word to say, God, teach me. What must I learn? Verse 77 said, let your mercy come to me that I may live for your law is my delight. We must understand that we find the mercy of God in his word and by having God's word transform our lives. And when we study God's word, we receive and understand God's love. That the more and more we read God's word, the more and more we should fall in love with our creator. And the more and more we should read God's word, we should be different. Even here, my prayer this whole week was that all of us in this building leave differently than we came because of God's truth. That there should be a change in our lives the more and more we read God's word. That we become more and more like God and less and less like the world and ourselves to the help of the Holy Spirit. We see these, the ending of this section. Verses 78 to 80, it says this, Let the insolent be put to shame, because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me, that they may know your testimonies. My heart, may my heart be blameless in your statutes. We see here, the closing of this section is this, that we must pray that people would turn to the Lord and that you stay faithful to him. We see here, the beginning of verse 78, he said, let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. He's basically saying here to God, you know what? They're telling lies about me. They're saying false things about me, but I'm not going to worry. I'm going to let you handle it. Because you see, God knows how to defend his own. Right, Romans says this, don't get vintage on your own. Let God deal with that. Nowhere here we see the psalmist say, you know what, I'm going to get them back. I'm going to show them. They're going to make lies about me, I'm going to get them back. But no, he says, God, you deal with it. But for, as for me, I'm going to study your word. Again, there's that, that picture that he's so focused on God's word that nothing else matters. You see, even Jesus was called, was being, people were making lies about Jesus because of the people he was hanging out with, he was ministering to. But that didn't bother Jesus. You see, it shouldn't bother us as well. That there's going to be people who are going to try, even unsaved people who are going to try to pull us down. But we should not let that bother us. We should give that to the Lord and that we should keep studying God's word and following God. 
We see also we must not seek to get back to those who wronged us, but seek the word of God. And again, to not hurry when we read God's word, but to slowly read it to change us. You see, I love here verse uh, 79, uh, 79, he said, let those who fear you turn to me, that they may know your testimony. He said, those who follow you, let them come to me. Let them see the goodness that you've done in my life so they can be encouraged as well. But here I love verse 80. He ends this section here saying, my, may my heart be blameless in your statues, that I may not be put to shame. You see, it's not how we start in our relationship with the Lord, it's how we finish. This race that we're in, this growth that we're in with the Lord. I remember I went to a conference a couple years back and uh, the, the individual preaching kept on quoting a pastor that passed away. Like they're from the 1800s, uh, you know, not, all this, they're all passed away. And, and he stopped in the middle of his sermon and said, you're probably wondering why I'm quoting pastors that have passed away. And he says, because I know they finished well. And I love this psalmist here. He says, may my heart be blameless in your statutes, and may I not be put to shame. We must have the Lord work in us so we can obey the Lord and his word. That no matter what happens, that we're not put to shame. And so, man, yes, we're going to face adversity in our lives, affliction in our lives. But how are you going to handle it? You see, the, the, the main takeaway that I want us to, to get from this is this, that we waste our afflictions when we, don't use it to, when we don't use it to know God more and obey him. We, we waste our afflictions when we don't use it to know God more and obey him. A wasteful affliction is the worst thing ever. You see, we, when we look at affliction, it should not be, it should not be, I don't want it, but it's more like, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? We should not waste the affliction because the beauty of the affliction, the season that we're in, can help us to know God more, be more like God, but also bring him glory by obedience to God, even in the midst of affliction. I want everybody to close their eyes, bow their heads. I know there's some of us in here tonight who are in that season of affliction, who are going through a hard time right now, whatever the situation may be. So what I want us to do here, just for a few minutes and then we'll be done, I want you from your heart, maybe some of you are away from God because something has happened in your life that you did not want to happen. But I want you guys, these next few minutes, just to talk to God, say, God, just teach me. This affliction that I'm in, this season that I am, help me to not harden my heart, but help me to soften my heart so that I can learn from you and teach me about your goodness. Teach me about how good you are and to remember your promises so that I can have confidence in you and in your word and I may live out your word. Take a few minutes and talk to the Lord. I want to close us in prayer, but there... If you are dealing, uh, if you're in a season of hardship, I want to encourage you with a few things. Obviously, what we talked about tonight, man, be in God's word. And if you're here tonight and say, Steve, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to read God's word. Please come to me. <laughs> That's why I'm here. My passion is to help people know God's word and grow in God's word so they can teach others as well. So if you're just like, say, I, I need to be in God's word. I don't know how to start. Please come to me. But also, don't go in this journey this this season of affliction on your own find another man that is mature in the lord who's, who's walking with the lord that can at least help you encourage you to help you learn what god is trying to teach you through the midst of this affliction but also i say to pray i know we use that word a lot i heard a pastor say that prayer is a lost art now in the church but it shouldn't be because that's the way we communicate with our creator. And so daily be praying. If you have strayed away from the Lord because of uh, the season that you're in, be like this psalmist here and say, God, wake me up. Teach me what I need to learn in the midst of this affliction so that I can bring you glory. 
and even help others who are in the same boat that I am as well. So I encourage you with that. Please, again, I'm, I'll be here. Talk to me if you need prayer, whatever that may be. Uh, or talk to another godly man that can help you and, and walk through you, with you through this time. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you that you do not leave us alone. That you're always by our side. That we can trust in who you are because you're faithful in your promises. And God, I know in life we go through good days and bad days, good seasons and, and hard seasons. But God, I pray on both seasons that we will still be faithful to you. That even when things don't go our way, that we remember your goodness. That we remember your word. That we would be hunger for your word. That we would lean on your word so that we can have confidence in you and who you are and as well live obediently, live out your word, even in the midst of hardship. God, there's many, there's probably men here tonight who are going through hard times. Uh, maybe decisions they made, maybe marriages, uh, issues in marriages or whatever it may be. Father, I just pray that tonight you will help them to see who you are, that you love them. But also that this hardship is for their good. To help them to become more and more like you and less and less like the world. But God, I pray that we'll bring you glory in our good days and our hard days. And that we remember our purpose of why you created us. You created us so we can know you, love you, and so we can reach others of, we reach others who don't know you. May that be your passion. May we not just be consumers, but help us to be doers of your word. That we would take this truth and, and tell others about it as well. God, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.